Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Kyle, Dave, and Jimmy. And today, we are continuing our Rooks and Vets coverage of Sci-Fi's The Magicians, Season 5. This is going to be Episode 11, entitled Be the Hymen. And welcome back to the world of the living, to our favorite little pervert. I don't know if we would say favorite after we killed him. Well, he almost got killed across the board in our bank. He'll marry last episode. But yeah, it's always a pleasure to see Hyman. He's always some comedic humor. You know, it's always a pleasant surprise. Almost across the board. Almost is exactly correct. Board. Yeah. I stood up for our boy. I banged him last episode. Luke did not have a chance to voice his grievances, but he said from off the podcast that he was disappointed in how many of us killed off Hyman. I totally agree with Luke when I say that I love Hyman, but I also want to say that this episode proved our point that he cannot act. He cannot do what he needs to do in person. He has no in-person abilities. Kill him. Kill. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't know what to do with his body. But I will say that I'm hyped that we have been talking about, I feel like we've done the be the nickel and sit so many times. And I didn't even realize that there was an episode later in the season called be the Hyman. That's fucking awesome. So fitting. Anything else to say before we start like going into the scenes and stuff? I just also want to say that when I was watching the the little recap in the beginning, it was showing like Umber scenes and then Fog 17. And I was like, oh, shit, what the fuck is going to happen in this episode? Chaos ensued. So as always, we like splitting our, our character stories into buckets, just makes it easier to follow along. So this episode, what we're going to do is follow the whole squad while they're together for the first couple of scenes in the episode. And then when they split up, we are also going to split up and we're going to cover Elliot, Fenn, Margo and Josh in Vancouver first, followed by Katie and Alice and their whole operation with marina and getting the heist book back and then penny and julia at break bills so without further ado the first scene is margo and josh actually talking about julia's pregnancy and josh is just like hey man aren't these contraceptive wards supposed to be foolproof like are you sure everything's good with you we don't want to be having a werewolf litter or anything margo is on her a game this episode I laughed so many times out loud with her. What's the exact line when she's getting ready to put her eyeball back in? What are they talking about? And she's like, fucking adorable. Or something as she's putting the eyeball back in. They're talking about the litter and Josh yeah. is like, well, it wouldn't be good or whatever, but could be adorable. Yeah. Just jams oh, the eye back into her head. Yeah. I also like Josh's little reaction to it. Cause obviously it's not a fun thing to look at, but her, she lights up when he says clean slate. Cause she's kind of questioning like, I thought we were broken up or whatever and he was like you know i think you kind of risking your sanity to get me out of the taker world put this on a clean slate and she's just kind of beaming afterwards mm-hmm. they made up i think we can officially say that they made up yeah man they go straight to the makeup sex and margo's yeah. just like you're wearing three fucking rubbers dude i don't care that brings us to same scene new york apartment with penny and julia finally getting a chance to talk about the pregnancy which is already in the third trimester despite penny not even knowing that julia is pregnant this was a pretty good scene i mean it gets cut short by alice but penny starts to kind of say that we broke up for good reasons and none of that has changed but he starts to get personal and says my dad wasn't there and that's not gonna fly with me like i want to be there for the kid 
Yeah, the classic little trope, but I think they did his backstory really well throughout this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Something that I didn't really ever think about, or I guess I haven't thought about in a while, of you know what his backstory is because he so kind of plays everything close to the chest. But I thought it was nice. But like I said, Alice interrupts this little heart to heart going on with news that Elliot and Fenn just collapsed in the elevator, which will bring us to uh, Castle Whitespire, actually. And Elliot, Fenn, Margot and Josh are all kind of waking up in this trance, I guess you would call it. But Margot has been here before and we run into this energetic emanation of the god Ember. And it's pretty good to see Ember. I'm not going to lie. As a rook, seeing this for the first time, I'm like, oh, sweet. Ember's back. Familiar face. Up to his same BS. Yeah, sure. He wasn't the greatest character, but like it's been how many seasons since we've last seen him. So it's been really cool to see that reintroduction. Yeah. Like when I'm trying to think, I don't think it's, is it the season one finale when they kill him? Like when he just walks into the throne room, it's like, okay, it's just going to get a little crazy here. So whenever he's around, you know, obviously that. Yeah, I just want to rewind a little bit. How sad was it when when Elliot and Fenn wake up, quote unquote, or appear and he's saying, is this a dream? And she's like, this can't be. You're nice to me in my dreams. Mm. Oh, oh, that's so true. <laughs> this is this is a tough episode for Fenn. Finally, yep. it's like they, they were throwing it in our face how probably off screen she was just being talked down to by our MCs throughout the whole series. And I think this is the first time they're just like, showing it like this is how fen is treated it's not a good look for our heroes mm-hmm. and it's a really sad look for fen you know i felt so bad for her yep especially when she's trying to do her thing you know like sure she sometimes like kind of gets carried away with things but she's at the end of the day she's a great person and one of the more calm voices in the in the group i feel like so it sucks seeing her get shit on like this i will reserve my fen comments until we get to the her and elliot speaking in vancouver Okay. Sound, sounds good. So with that, Ember, obviously we've seen this this emanation of Ember before. It only comes when there's a tragedy that is striking Fillory. So he is forewarning of impending apoc- apocalypse on Fillory and they as the surviving high kings. That's why he brought them there. Your kingdom rests on the knife's edge of annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this um, is his world and he just doesn't care at all anymore he likes the chaos, yeah he, i guess yeah he likes the chaos he's like he's literally like he's literally like hyman he just likes to watch crazy shit happen before we finish off the rest of this ember dream or whatever you want to call it we get this scene where Lipson is brought to the new york apartment and evaluates the unconscious i refer to them as the high kings josh margo elliot and well, Fen's there, so not a high Ma- king, but yeah, Fen, Fen's high Fen's king. A high oh, king. She, yeah, yeah, she is, yeah, she is, former she is. high king, former high king. I king Fen the Tolis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, that's a respect <laughs> on that name. I, Dave. I don't know how I forgot that. So Lipson is evaluating them while they're all unconscious. Uh, Alice, Penny, and Julia are also there. And Lipson starts to question Julia like, hey, you were not pregnant when I saw you two weeks ago. Accelerated pregnancies can be potentially dangerous. And on top of that, you are carrying this traveler hybrid baby, which has its own set of complications. No, I just like that they she kind of brings us back to reality like, this shit isn't normal. The fact that you're this pregnant in two weeks and like you haven't seen a doctor at all about this. Granted, she hasn't had a really a chance to, but this is definitely something that needs attention, you know? So I'm glad she brought that up because the science behind it is definitely not correct. <laughs> and 
we had already known about kind of her abilities that she showed us in the dungeon where she was able to travel outside of the cell, but she also confirms that she's been having what she refers to as aftershock psychic episodes on top of that. So things are happening with Julia. Nobody really knows what's up. This is a pretty unique pregnancy that she's going through, even in the magical world. For the life of me, I could not remember Lipson's name. I am so ashamed that the scene was going on and I was sitting there just with blank comes to examine the High Kings. I was like, what the fuck is her name? I was freaking out. And then I honestly didn't even think about it until B-Toms thankfully just dropped it right there. I feel like I have to be honest and admit as a rook that you should be honest. Her her name just would not find its way onto my. We'll let it slide because you're. We'll let it slide because you're a rook. That's all. We'll we'll give you this one for you, B. Typical rook stuff, man. We've been so good through (laughs) eleven episodes, and now you're gonna drop us on some weak shit like forgetting Lipson's name. I'm just trying to call balls and strikes out here. Isn't Lipson your girl too? (laughs) Giveable. Give me some waffle, waffle fries. fries. <laughs> and a diet Dr. Pepper for free. <laughs> Unforgivable. It. Seriously, though, Kyle, unforgivable. Lipson, put some respect on her name. But to end this scene, Lipson tells Julia to come to the Break Bills lab so she can put up like these additional protective wards. You know, check her out, make sure she's okay with the pregnancy after her and Penny air out their laundry. Julia says, I can't do it right now. We're we're going through it. I just want to add in too that let's not forget that Julia was a demigod at some point in time. So having this also like but she was originally human. So having now an like an original demigod in her belly that can travel, I feel like definitely is going to cause some issues. Has anyone had a better story than Julia Wicker? Honestly, Maybe Alice Quinn. What about Brand the Broken? I was just gonna say, bro. What do you well, mean, that's Brand what I was. That's what I was referring to. Come on now. <laughs> now. I think Julia's up there. I think she honestly is. She has the most character growth out of anybody. Like she's had her deep lows, and now she's on a I, high. I was more I just about, referring yeah. to like most interesting story. Like oh, who has had right the now? craziest life? Honestly, she was a goddess for like a hot minute, then gave it up to make keys that powered magic and had that stolen too. Like she's he- been hedgewitch the goddess. Not many people can say that. <laughs> Raped by a god. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking wild. I feel like Elliot's had a pretty wild. That was yeah, he, that wild was good. Beast. <laughs> And that's uh, funny because Julia was the beast too, though. Well, the the sister. Yeah. I mean, I think Julia probably has had the craziest life, but I don't know about the the most character growth, but definitely the craziest life. Hmm. All right, I'll I'll stay. I'll 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 agree with you on that. That's a good question. I would like to ask uh, the other three about that. We can we can do that on the final episode. Who has had the best story? Hmm. So bringing us back, uh, we have that Ember dream scene to finish. Ember just reminds us that he is only activated by World War, Pandemic, Revolt of Dwarves, or the mass rising of the dead. Margo's like, we know, we're already on it. He's like, huzzah! He says, on top of being creepy, though, the dead drain life, contaminating everything they touch, like a pickle on a sandwich. And what a metaphor this is. (laughs) I like pickles, too, Kyle. I'm right there with you. Yeah, but see, there's, there's a couple kinds of pickles. I don't like sweet pickles. I sweet like salty pickles, pickles. Sweet pickles suck. Yeah, yes. agreed. <laughs> salty agreed. pickles are amazing. If Let we can all agree on that. I think yeah, so. Yeah. I'm with you. I can agree. But what a metaphor this was. He's like, here, see this one dead pickle throws it on like the map or whatever. And then he gets a barrel and just tosses them all on. They were all repulsed by the pickles. They're like, ah, whoa. I loved the reaction to it. They're the like, fu- 
the thing that I'm laughing the most about is when he's going crazy, the three of them are freaking out, and Margot is just not even reacting except for just giving him the face like, dude, fucking relax. Like, she's not <laughs> dealing with his shit. <laughs> she literally doesn't, she doesn't react at all while they're Cla- jumping and stuff. Classic Margot, though. Mm-hmm. She would be the one to play cool in that situation. He so he gives the huzzah and then he resins. He rescinds rather his huzzah. Why does he do that again? I don't remember. Because they tell him that Rupert is immortal, like unkillable. <laughs> yeah. I think they say <laughs> he's like I must rescind it. <laughs> I loved that part. He's I'm gonna start a... dishing out huzzahs and then rescinding them if something bad happens. If I ever get a huzzah rescinded by you, I'll yeah. I'll feel terrible, man. <laughs> Stay on your toes, bro. Yikes, yeah. You're the one for getting lips in. You think True. to lecture me on the ways of staying True. on one's toes? We'll see. Anyway, so the pickles are all over the map. And I thought this was weird. Elliot comes out of nowhere and says the only alternative option is blowing up the planet. Like, is that the first time we heard that option? We talked before about how it was known to certain characters that to kill Rupert, they were going to have to destroy mm the planet now i don't know yeah, yeah elliot was part of that conversation i don't remember exactly who else was but yeah I- i'm thinking he already has that in the back of his mind from that conversation all right either way though ember is really keen on doing that he's like which isn't a terrible option blowing up the planet to which we hear some knocking on the door and who is it but ember's brother umber i love seeing this guy again i i'm a fan of umber personally i'm a, I'm a big umber guy for umber <laughs> Oh, 100%. I mean, I think we all... I mean, he was a bitch for a while, but he came to. He came to. So this emanation of Umber was designed to intervene if Ember ever attempted something stupid, such as blowing up Fillory. And he kind of gives this little spiel. As we know, Umber was designing other worlds on Earth after faking his own death. One such design was an arc, uh, which could potentially serve as a temporary vessel capable of pulling every living Felorian off of the planet while they are delivered to a new, more perfect world. So Elliot just kind of says out loud, okay, so the plan is now get all the Felorians on an arc, pull them to a different world, and blow up Fillory, killing Rupert and the Takers. To which Ember and Umber just start slapping each other for hours. <laughs> and we just flash back to the apartment with a voiceover of Ben. Like, I, I think they forgot we were there. They just kept slapping each other. I love that I, they made it a point to say hours. And I think it's actually this part, if I can fast forward myself from when I said it earlier. I think it's this part when they start slapping each other that the three of them are starting to flinch a little bit and say, what the hell are they doing? And Margo's is like, Oh my God. And then I think it's her voiceover too, that they jump to when she's like, I don't know. Like I'm slapping each other. (laughs) Oh, you know what? This brings us. I forgot to mention the official sci-fi description of the episode was slap fight. Josh eats a pickle. Dreams are weird. That was the description. Yes. Slap fight. Crazy. Eats a pickle. Dreams are weird. That was one scene that described the whole episode. Yeah. Is anything else applicable to the dreams are weird part? Probably not. That's no. crazy. Josh is eating that pickle when we get back to the apartment. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> so that brings us to the squad is back in the New York apartment discussing the Ember vision. And Josh immediately questions, okay, if we have the arc, like what, what could this new planet be? Where, where are we taking them on this arc? And Alice suggests, 
the world seed from Q's notes, obviously. They can make this new perfect planet for the Felorians. But she says the bad news is that the couple has the seed. The good news is that we have time. The moon will keep the couple from casting on the seed with the janked up circumstances. And the notes are in a dead language that even Alice couldn't decipher. So maybe they can't even understand it. Thoughts on the plan? World seed? Is that a new potential world for the Felorians? Yeah, this makes know. a lot of sense. Does this seem endgame to the rooks? I would say yes, and especially makes more sense than what we were kind of theorizing about what the world seed would be. I know a few times you mentioned it, who knows how many episodes ago, but just kind of thinking out loud about how all of these storylines can possibly converge into one, because we do know that the season is ending soon. This makes a lot of sense. The guy, Dave, you're, you're I was going to say, are you guys seeing any flaws with this plan? What are <laughs> What's the uh, overarch- overarching uh, feelings of this? I mean, Julia says right away that that's insane in in a good way so it is a pretty insane plan and at face value you are blowing up a planet to save the planet's citizens it's how are you going to convince the citizens to leave well exactly and that's kind of the the dilemma that they go through this whole episode with fen you know like fen is representing all of fillery but yeah it's it's a tough dilemma i don't know i i think later on when fen says if this was earth you'd be trying a lot harder i think that's true you know like they went right to this okay let's blow up fillery and get a new planet like that's not very creative but that was the quote that was the quote that spoke to me the most was the one uh what you just said where if this was earth you guys would try a lot harder which it's definitely true you know obviously being from earth they want they have set priorities we already saw this earlier in the season when julia is prioritizing saving the earth over fillery all that stuff when the the pig guy first shows up so it's just another the dilemma. Pig guy, yeah. Kyle. Pig Kyle. guy, Sir Hargrave, McGrubney, Cubbins, Archibald, Brian, Effingham the third. You mean? All right. Well, because you can remember that, we'll forget the fact that you forgot Lipson's name. <laughs> you trying to that? say I don't have my priorities in order? <laughs> because I would challenge that notion. But yeah, I think Pete Toms. This is overall. I mean, it's the it's the only plan they're given, and it's the only one that makes sense at this point in time. So I think as of right now, I mean. It's tough to make that decision, but as of right now, it's just blow up filler. If you can't kill Rupert, then this is all for naught, you know? I mean, to kill Rupert, they need to blow up filler. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I'm saying. So I personally I just like the the baton passing from Alice to Julia to try to crack the language code. I just thought that was nice. Look, you know, I also think in situations like this, all they did was stab Roop. Like, they didn't try beheading him. Nobody ever tries beheading people. I'm watching the Vampire Diaries. How many times they could have killed some of these vampires by beheading them instead of stabbing them? It's insane. Nobody beheads people anymore. Yeah, I feel like that would be just one thing that you just always go for. Roop ain't coming back from a beheading. Come on. (laughs) You're saying we need more guillotines? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say it, but now that you're saying it, I'm agreeing with you. I can get behind that. Is that a new Bingetown merch? We just make guillotines. <laughs> guillotines. I don't know. You're going to have to ask our marketing guys. Jimmy, what you think? As long as we put Bingetown TV on the guillotine, we're good. Oh, yeah. We get it on the blade, too. Yeah. yeah. Bingetown TV taking heads, baby. <laughs> Is that our new slogan? Taking heads, baby? We should start the next pod with that. See how the audience takes it. We're all we're all taking heads, but B Tom's is sucking them. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> the heads of dudes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, 
I wasn't sure if that was explicitly clear or not. But now if I'm just imagining B. Tom's just sucking a bald man's head. <laughs> we were talking like... about cutting people's actual heads off. Yeah. You said he's going to suck them. <laughs> True. Yeah. Maybe we should cut that. <laughs> we'll see. Bringing us back to the episode, this is where they kind of establish who's going to do what. So Alice is going to work on getting the seed back from the couple, really stealing the seed from the couple. Julia will work on deciphering the notes since it's in the dead language. The rest of our squad will need to travel to grab the Ark from Umber's house in Vancouver. Vancouver, Vancouver, which we have seen before, and they're going to need a traveler. Penny knows a guy, and it's our boy Hyman back from the dead. I this was actually a really great scene right when he wakes up and he just breaks down crying, like hugs Penny, says thank you. Uh, that was an awesome scene. That's the first time he broke the veil. Whatever Hyman's actor's name just does a phenomenal job of just letting out those feelings of just being in a stasis for God knows however many years it was, like 80 years or whatever. But shout out to Plum. For saving him, technically, I guess. So thank God Plum was around because otherwise we wouldn't be having this moment right here. Penny saying be the hymen was something that I never knew I needed in my life. <laughs> but holy fucking shit, that was so awesome. Like what a nice full circle on us right there. I mean, hymen teaching Penny 40 to be the Penny gets us all the way now to here to Penny 23 waking hyman up basically out of stasis a hundred or whatever how many years later will yep. be the hyman <laughs> so good. crazy that's what the magician does does best is that full circle i also was curious if he was going to be like if he's going to be mad i don't know if it'll ever come to light that they hid his body because <laughs> technically in this timeline now they're the reason why he was lost on the astral plane for that long but maybe it won't come up well, if we only, know technically he wants to be back on the astral plane, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess it wasn't that bad for him. He got used to it. So, in very magician's fashion, we have a sentimental scene, followed immediately by a ridiculous scene with Hyman going around literally touching the things that he has been looking at for the past century. He's, like, rubbing the uh, stuffed rabbit, uh, just boinging, you know, a bunch of springs and stuff. And then he does a little spin and pronounces that he loves fingering things. And the look <laughs> that Julia and Penny have with each other. <laughs> they're definitely facts. They're definitely regretting the decision to unstasis him at this moment. They'll, they'll learn to love him again. But right now they're just like, who is this guy? <laughs> I know the magicians loves their musical episodes. And when he sat down and cracked his knuckles at the piano, I was like, holy shit, like, is this going to be the, the music episode? And then he just starts playing horribly. And I was <laughs> like, oh my God, those motherfuckers. I laughed out loud at that part. I was cracking up. So I, my favorite part of the whole thing is definitely him burning himself and just screaming whore. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he goes to go back to it. He's like, just kidding. Yeah. He's the man. He is. Oh, it came down like, to me having to marry him or bang him exactly. I would kill him. I would kill him. I would kill him as well. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what you would do if you spent the last century plus not being able to touch things. You would touch everything in sight for the next like 24 hours. I love this scene. I, would I love Hyman. I'm sorry. If you would have told me, when did we meet him? Like two seasons ago, that he would be hanging around in real life for the final three episodes of the series? Come on. He's one of the boys at this point in time. He's one of the group members at the at right now. They need him. Well, see, that's what he's upset about because now that oh, he's a yeah, real yeah. person, he's not part of the group. But yeah. but you're right. They do need him. 
He's filling that Penny role as the traveler. And immediately Penny and Julia say, we need help getting to Vancouver to Umber's place. And he says, hey, I've been following you guys for so long. Whatever you need, I will help. And right, we get this scene where Penny is tattooing him with the cooperative traveling tattoos. And he's recounting the tale to Elliot, saying that he was absolutely stoic and you would never would have known that he was in pain. I think if we did last episode's Bank Hill Mary on this one, I think the outcome would have changed a little bit. Do you guys agree with that? Maybe just a little bit? No. No? Sticking by it? <laughs> no, like- no. See, see, Dave, the thing is, I thought that this episode proved that he isn't good with interaction with people. And if you can't be good with interaction with people in real life, you can't bang me good either. And, <laughs> you're not gonna, and I'm not marrying you either if that's the case. All right, I already like that logic. I'm sold. <laughs> Ship it. Dave, episode. Dave, you're right, though. This episode did make me love him even more. We already loved him enough, and now it's just like we get actual Hyman. We get a real embodiment of Hyman getting to do <laughs> stuff, so it's always I good. would say, if nothing else, this episode made it more difficult to kill Hyman. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine That's with that. That's true. Very true. So... Elliot in the next scene gives Hyman Umber's address and he's kind of being short with with Hyman in this scene. Hyman's like, oh, yeah, I just got the tattoos. And Elliot's like, whatever, here's the address, like (laughs) be here at 730 to like teleport us there. Elliot and Margo were kind of mean in a couple scenes this episode. Rub me the wrong way. Uh, I don't know. But Hyman looks over and notices Fen kind of like sulking in the kitchen or whatever. And he's like, you know, why are you upset? You're the girl that likes forks. Why Why are you upset? <laughs> Yo, also, Hyman looks fire in this scene. He got some new clothes. He's bangable. Now, he's starting to fit in more in 2021. Is he bangable? No, but he looks <laughs> great. He looks really good. And also, B-Tums, clearing up an issue that we had maybe last episode, two episodes ago, that Fen does say that she's Elliot's wife. Yes. Yeah. I actually had a split moment where I kind of shipped Hyman and Fen real yeah. quick, but then she immediately reminded that she was Elliot's wife. But I'm not sure how much how much weight that carries. I don't know if Elliot saw that they were both going to be happy. They're not royalty anymore officially. And plus, they're going to they, they have the and they also have the plan to go to a new world. Do those old laws, you know, hold up in the new world? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But essentially, Hyman Hyman kind of pushes the issue with Fens. Like, no, no, like, I, I think you're upset. And here's why. I think you're upset because you know that this plan is zany. And you know, if you speak up, they won't listen. Didn't Elliot say that you were a hayseed from a backwards prolapsed asshole of a planet? And he's like, oh, wait, you might not have been there for that. I might have just been eavesdropping. But he's like, whatever, outsider to outsider. Doesn't this feel like the part of the story where the good guys are just wrong? And I agree. I'm not sold on this plan to blow up Fillory. Like they they came up with it so easily and they're just like, okay, now we're blowing up Fillory. Let's do it. Nah, this is where this is where the show started. This is season one. Like Fillory is where it all began. And they're just first plan they thought of. They're riding with it. Blow it up. Yeah, Hyman's almost acting as us in this scene because I mean, we've been calling for Fenn to be play a bigger part for them to stop being mean to her forever. And he finally gets a chance to say it to her face. And I just I like that he kind of calls her out on it. Can you guys imagine if Q was still alive and this plan was a thing? He yeah, it would be, never happen. He would be freaking out. He would not let this happen. So as soon as those words came out of anyone's mouth, Q would just be like, no fucking shot. Is that happening? I, I don't know. His mindset could have changed after everything that had happened. But like at the end of the day, Fillory is something so important to Q. And the fact that like, yeah, I agree. I'm just I, I'm with you, Jimmy. I don't think he would have let that fly. And speaking of Q, I got to say earlier in the season, 
I was fully adamant on I do not want to see Q, Jason Ralph make a new cameo this season. Now on episode 11, I can honestly say I'm like, damn, but like, honestly, where is Q? Like, I thought they were going to give it to me and I could pretend to be pissed, but like, where is he? I want him, (laughs) especially now that the entire end of the season is revolving around the dead being brought back to life. Like, come on, I better see dead Q reanimated or something. I didn't want to mention and yeah. go to the underworld with him <laughs> that would be a great what, what if that was the end of magicians <laughs> just everyone dies they all just get reunited in the underworld what do you mean what if true what if to put it on the board it's a new theory everyone's yeah. gonna that's fucking a, die that's a theory <laughs> from the and then everyone's gonna die todd's gonna stay he's gonna be the king of himself he's the only one left he's a dark <laughs> king todd i will huzzah to the cows come home to that <laughs> But this is where we get Hyman teleports Elliot, Margot, Fenn, and Josh to Umber's place in Vancouver. And this is where we're going to start breaking up our storyline. So we're going to follow this this squad of Elliot, Margot, Fenn, and Josh. And they walk up to Umber's place. Well, first off, Hyman travels them there. And then they're just like, all right, boss, we'll call you when we're ready to go home. And they just kind of let him do his thing. And they walk up to the house. And it's this Umber ghost butler is at the doorway and he just keeps saying the master of the house isn't available. But this ghost butler of Umber starts to tell this story of what we find out to be Felorian scripture describing the birth of Ember and Umber about a tigress who walks upon a lonely beach. And he kind of starts this story and Fen finishes it to solve the riddle to get past this ghost butler of Umber. After Fen solves the riddle, you know, the ghost butler lets them in and nobody else is impressed. Like Fen just steps up, solves a riddle and they're like, okay, whatever, let's go. Yeah, no, no credit to Fen for being able to solve this puzzle that none of them could have solved. The disrespect to Fen has always been ridiculous, but I think you guys as rooks can tell that Fen's going to start turning this shit around starting in this episode for the next two. And she's nice to Hyman, too. They're all yeah. like, all right, fuck off, buddy. And she kind of gives him a little wave goodbye. And I was like, oh, thanks for doing that, Fen. <laughs> she's, she's the best. She deserves everything, everything she ever wanted. And by the way, how are they going to call Hyman? Has he used a phone before? Yeah, true. He definitely doesn't have anything. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't just include him. Could have just He could have easily been in the house with them. He can travel back to the physical cottage. I don't know. Yeah, they, but, they were purposefully being mean to him. Yeah, but like like Penny says, at best case scenario, you're a taxi driver for your friends, and that's what Hyman is at this point in time. They don't Very see the true, respect yeah. that we see for Hyman. So the next scene that we get is with them in Vancouver, and they're kind of just walking through the living room of the house. Remember, Elliot has been here before with Quentin a couple seasons ago. And none of Umper's old pocket worlds are lying around. He used to have shelves lined with these snow globe looking things that were pocket worlds. And Fen sees a picture on a wall of hills that she recognized and used to play. uh, What was it? Queen of the Mound or Queen of the Hump as Hmm. a kid. And Margo's like, if it doesn't have to do with the arc, I don't fucking care, Fen. Or I don't give a shit, Fen. Like... So rude. I I feel bad for not being more upset at it before this episode because like it was all happening off screen. How could I have known? And if anything, (laughs) we've learned that if when Fen has those like space out kind of moments of remembrance, they actually end up being important. They, I feel like our characters should know that by now, like this could have some role to play in the future, you know? So they just shut it down. 
it is weird that Margot is still so mean to her because of all the things that we talked about for her character growth, this is one thing that's not changed and it is definitely weird that it hasn't changed. Do you think it's because of Josh still? Like, do you think she just still can't get over that? Like, I just think they have a stigma against Fen, all of them. And yeah. I just think she's like, whether, whether you want to say annoying or not important, I just think most of them have it. And, you know, Margot's personality. Yeah. So nice girls and guys always finish last, I guess. I mean, but we know, like, at the same time, deep down, Margot cares about Fen, you know, but it's... Yeah, that Joker. said, earlier this season, Margot and Fen did have, like, a little one-on-one personal spat when it was revealed that Fen and Josh fucked, and then yeah. they fought mano-a-mano, mano-a-mano, but I thought they kind of got over that. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird. The disrespect is real, and they've been treating her like a second-class citizen for far too long in my opinion. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Far too long. Justice for High King Fen the Toeless. <laughs> oh, Huzzah! Man, we... So, Umber's ghost comes by, and they're like, yeah, what, what happened to all the pocket worlds that used to be here? And the ghost presents them with these 10 snow globes. They say, we were sent by the, the eminence of you. Like, shows where they are. So he gives them 10 snow globe options, only one of which is the true arc. And if you choose poorly... Josh finishes the sentence. Oh, we all age really fast and turn to dust, just like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He's like, exactly. But due to copyright laws, like it'll be slightly more explosive. We don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. Uh, so Margot gives the filler expert, Fen, the right to choose. And then after literally five seconds of her observing these snow globes, she's like, any day now. Fuck off, Margot. Come on. Literally, when you just were told that it's going to be an explosive conclusion if you get it wrong, and they're giving her shit for taking more than five seconds to think about it. I don't it's know, also, Margo. I mean, I feel like it's so interesting because Margot's kind of a big part of her character was that she'll do anything for Fillory. You know, she'll put Fillory before herself. She was yeah. willing to basically give Josh up for Fillory, and yeah. now she's acting like this. She's just out of pocket. That was a huge part of her character growth. Her, the the protection, the love, whatever you want to say for Fillory. And now it's all gone. <laughs> she pushed Fen a little too far. I mean, again, you know, <clears throat> if she believes that the people of Fillory are what needs to be saved, then, if you know, that's why she's okay with destroying the planet, maybe, if she's saving her people, but still. Yeah, so Fen rightfully storms out and says you can solve this on your own uh so she goes Boom. to be by herself drops a mic yeah hell yeah and the next scene we get is elliot it went from daylight to dark outside so it's been a while of them probably trying to figure it out without fen's help and elliot just comes in and apologizes to fen for treating her like the friend that only gets invited to trivia night to which she responds you know i don't know what that means so that's kind of like a perfect example of how she's always kind of out of the loop and always just like not as close as everybody else here this is a great scene though between elliot and fen oh i just it's also it's both perfect and makes me a little sad kind of piggybacking a little bit on what b times was saying earlier in that like we love those jokes where like at fen's expense where she's kind of immersed in this culture that she has knows nothing about i mean i'll bring it up maybe third or fourth time this season with the benihana <laughs> but you know, it just in this scene, it kind of really hits you of like, wow, you know, that contributes a lot to why she feels the way she does. And we've mm -hmm. kind of just been laughing at it. And at this point, Elliot just says, hey, look, I am begging you for help. Margot's starting to 
freak out. Josh is holding her at bay for now, but like, we need your help. We can't do this without you. And this is where we get the Fen quote. If this was Earth, you would try a lot harder to find another way. So maybe it's my job to represent Fillory. And she says, if you're asking for my permission, like I, I can't give you my permission to destroy Fillory. Like I, I, I will not give you permission to do that. And he says, look, if you have any other options, like we'd love to hear them, but Time's running out, essentially. Yeah. it's So it's an impossible situation. Uh, we got this scene where the prayer note falls and the she says, you know, I'm sure you think it's stupid, but that the Felorians are still praying even to a dead god. And Elliot says, it's taken me a long time to figure out that you can still love something even after it's gone. And that's like, shout out Q. Come on. He's please. Tearing up. <laughs> Who's doing it? Get him out of here. And Elliot says, I love this quote, too. You want to stop being treated like a sidekick. You want to have a say. This is what that feels like. I'm not asking for your permission. Some part of Fillory has to die and you have to choose. Is it going to be the rocks and the dirt or the people and the traditions that you can bring with you? I was out of that, baby. That was great. I I love that. Elliot's just the man, dude. I fucking love Elliot to my to to death. I will do anything for Elliot. And the fact that he is of like, he's just always going to be that guy to comfort you you know and he's always he's always usually the one needing comfort the most but he is always willing to dish it out to whoever this is also pretty much exactly what we have been or at least me personally i've been calling for i mean i feel like i've kind of been almost a broken record of saying i want fen to have a bigger role and i just love that i feel like obviously the writers know that and probably know that people want that and them taking not the opposite stance, but showing what that really means for her to have a bigger role is making these tough decisions that, you know, everyone else on the crew has been making for five seasons straight. I mean, they have made some unbelievably tough decisions over the years. Yeah. So I just like the way that that's how Elliot put it to her. I also love the relationship between Elliot and Fenn. Like he has always been a little bit more, I don't know, patient and compassionate with regards to her general Fenn-ness, if you will. Like, such a great duo, and this was a really heartfelt scene. I, I love that they had this chance to uh, talk, uh, but it is cut short by an explosion, followed by Margo saying, I got it. I don't got it. And Fen rushes out to the living room, and as these snow globes are exploding one by one, Fen rushes in and saves the one with a seahorse in it. Yeah, uh, I was actually want to ask, what do, you, do you guys have any thoughts on the snow globe that she had chosen like anything well i mean they give us why she chose that one it it was a cool story uh she knew that it was a seahorse one because that's how ember and umber first brought the people of fillery to fillery what a great um, in the patch of a seahorse (laughs) that's just so funny just a giant seahorse just bringing all these citizens (laughs) to this world (laughs) that's a way better story than adam and eve yeah yeah it was ridiculous but it was so fillery and yeah, they exactly. looked at it like, what are you smoking? But it's like, it's is our story baby. any less ridiculous? I don't know. It's Yeah, we're fucking, magi- we're magicians. Like, people can fucking teleport. Why can't people just travel using a seahorse, you know? <laughs> and also, I mean, this kind of keeps their tradition alive. I mean, technically, if they do blow Fillory and go to a new planet, their origins will be the same as when they lived on Fillory. I mean, Great they point. traveled I mean, in, a, in the pouch of a seahorse to go to the new world. I just love the Fen quote, just the the excitement in her voice when she realizes that she got it right. And she says, I did it. I chose wisely. I'm mm. wise. <laughs> She's the fucking best. I was literally so happy that this happened. Is this I mean, the I, moment? This is, I, 
I'm fighting to decide whether I would rather have had her stab Seb or Roop rather or do this, but I this is better, but I really wanted her to stab Roop. <laughs> that would be awesome. But does Fen become Fen, go from being Fen the Tolis to Fen the Wise now? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah? All right. Well, it's Alice the Wise, isn't it? Isn't Alice also the Wise? I just going to ask what Alice's is. I'm pretty uh, sure she's I, Alice the Wise. Yeah. That's all right. She's not, a, she's, not a queen. she's not a king anymore. Alice isn't a king anymore. She died. The Wise the second. Nah. That's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. Too many people that are wise. Yeah, that's a good problem. Nah, I kind of like Fen the Toeless. That's her thing. And she ain't nah, getting those toes her, back. That, that is her thing. Is that all of it for that group right there? That, that is all of it for that group. Yeah. What if they um, used the world seed to just create toes for Fen and that was the end of the series? <laughs> Satisfying. That, honestly. We finally give yeah, the respect to Fen. Yeah, all right. She doesn't have to do with the fucking toe worms anymore. Yeah. It's got to be uncomfortable. Yeah, she's not no longer at li- uh, she's no longer at risk of Josh discriminating against her. So, <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, to close out that storyline, I'll just say it seems like Fen is starting to get in the driver's seat and getting a little upgrade from that sidekick status. So it's, it seems like she's getting a little bit more clout within the group, and I'm excited for that. Uh, even though we're on episode 11 here, so maybe she'll have a big role in the next two episodes as the resident Valorian. Uh, that will bring us back to kind of the beginning-ish of the episode, and we're going to start going through the Alice and Katie storyline. And their first scene together is in the New York City apartment, and they're talking to Pete, love lady, about where they can locate the couple. And it's a real quick scene. He's like, hey, everybody thinks they're a myth. Even I think they're just like a myth, a joke. The only other person I know that believes in them is Marina. Yeah. Love Whenever that. we see Pete, that fucker's always talking about Marina. By the way, I just want to bring up shout out to Kathleen. I don't know what it is. Now that she said the wig thing, it just ke- I can't not look at Alice's I, wig. It's still it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I still can't see it. Really, it really like <laughs> nope. seems so blatant to me now. I don't notice it at all. Wow. I also don't look for it, but like, yeah. What I, are you I looking haven't... at? Are you not looking at her hair, Kyle? Yeah, oh, what, hell no. What else does she have to offer, huh? She's got a couple of huzzahs. <laughs> <laughs> that was the perfect response. <laughs> a couple of huzzahs. So that's a quick one with Pete. And Pete, he essentially says, go to Marina. She'll have answers about the couple, which brings Alice and Katie to go see Marina, who immediately, upon opening the door, says, oh, Katie, like, I'm so sorry for everything I've ever done to you. Like, come in, let's have cookies. And they're just like, who, who the fuck is this? Like, what's going on here? And we have a nice Marina. And this was a this was a trip honestly as a rook i really like when alice curses <laughs> what does she say what does she actually say what the fuck or something or yeah, she said, what the fuck was that yeah yeah kind of just hot. sounds so it's so like it just means more almost when she says it you know that she really fucking means it let me ask the rooks how do you guys feel about marina with the blonde hair i liked her early seasons long kind of reddish hair strawberry hair i don't know it was a great look for her yeah that I looks loved- never going out of style the old Marina look just always did it for me. I agree. Yeah, it's just, it's not that I don't like short hair. I just think it's a little short for me and sh- just on her. I don't think that that hairstyle necessarily automatically makes you unattractive, but I just don't think it's great for her. My take on the short hair thing is always like, it's, I'm not saying you're unattractive because you have short hair. I just think that you'll always look better with a little bit longer hair. That's a classic That's, Luke. Take I was right literally <laughs> just going to say that is a classic ass Luke. Oh, take is that right what there. he says? Dude, yeah. He always says that. That's funny. 
Continue us, Speed Toms. Yeah, Benchtown Beauty advice coming coming to a <laughs> podcast near you. We're starting our soon. own. We're starting our own beauty line. We're starting our own uh, guillotines, guillotine baby. line. <laughs> I'll get you some uh, some what some mock ups, some sketch ups by the end of the night. All right. All right. I'm I'm gonna start a wig line. If you have short hair, you have the eye for it. Yeah. I noticed. I noticed Alice's wig. Yes, yeah, I'm gonna get a better one made for. Her. <laughs> you're, gonna get, you're gonna call her up and reshoot yeah. all of the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll be the director's cut, man. The, the, Jimmy, <laughs> the Jimmy director's cut. Yeah. The Jimmy Town cut, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Between Jimmy and Kathleen, we will be the best company at being able to point out people who are wearing wigs. Yeah. That guy's wearing a wig. Fake. I'm gonna I'm gonna call up HBO Max see if they'll let me do the the Jimmy cut of Magician season five <laughs> instead of the Snyder cut. I'd green light it. <laughs> so, as we continue, they go into Marina's house and we find out that the reason she's being nice is because she went to a trance healer who put a block on all the parts of her personality that made her quote aggressive but ultimately self destructive. She just acknowledges that she was a horrible person and said, yeah, I needed a psychic person to just block all the negative stuff going through me. So she is physically incapable of making bad decisions. Don't we all need a little psychic like that in our lives? If only. It couldn't hurt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not that extreme, though. Yeah, not that extreme, exactly. So after Marina tells us why she's asked acting so nice alice says that they're looking for the couple and immediately marina kind of clams up and it's just like oh i don't know anything about that they press her some more she said okay seeking out the couple would be what i like to call an old marina decision she's like new marina doesn't do stuff like that um and we find out that during the harmonic convergence marina was actually already trying to steal the world seed from the couple and things she alludes to things kind of going horribly wrong, uh, but they keep pressing her on this. And she tells Alice that they're hiding the world seed in a hotel called the Nave, which was kind of giving me John Wick vibes with the Continental. It's like only magicians can come and go from it. It's like completely secretive. And it has a vault that is known as like the most secure place on the planet. So it's not going to be easy to steal the world seed from the couple. Marina says that her and her partner spent months plotting every inch of the hotel and they put it all in a heist book. And she knows someone who might know where it is, which gives us a cut to them visiting our old friend Gavin, who was in a full body cast, like something out of SpongeBob with the dude with paper skin and glass <laughs> bones. <laughs> dude, that's uh, that's the result of me banging him after that bang kill Mary a couple episodes ago. Ew. <laughs> Did we all bang Gavin? That was just oh, like a back-to-back-to-back yeah. yeah, back was... to back to back bang, and that'll put him in a body bag. <laughs> he couldn't handle the back-to-back -back sessions. <laughs> so we find out that Marina hired Gavin and a couple other people for the heist, but it turned into a essentially a suicide mission without the harmonic convergence going according to plan. It's alluded to they were going to harness that power to help them with the heist, but Marina knowingly sent them in to die, essentially. So Gavin says that he's going to refuse to help them locate the book because he does not want to help Marina in any way, shape, or form. Could you imagine just seeing this dude in a full body cast, knowing what he did to get into that full body cast, and then know that you're about to do the same exact thing? Like, they're just... They're wild. I don't know. That's just my opinion on that. For I would just be terrified. <laughs> it's like, what is this? What is this going to, how is this going to end poorly for us? 
Alice and Katie are fearless. Yeah, I guess. Well, they're on a mission. Yeah, yeah. they. I guess it's die or be put in a, It's either die or be put in a full body cast. One or the other. Yeah. So Gavis, Gavin just isn't going to help them. And Katie and Alice have a sidebar with Marina outside of the room where they're like, how did you get him to work with you before? And she says she has leverage, but she won't use it now because that would be deeply unethical. <laughs> so she leaves to get Gavin a smoothie instead. And Katie and Alice come to the conclusion that, well, if we don't have Marina, one of us or both of us is going to have to be Marina. So they go back into the room and kind of, blackmail him by saying if you don't tell us where to find this heist book we're going to take down all your mental wards so that you're going to have to lay there every single day and listen to everybody's thoughts in her monologue without being able to stop it and that would be torture especially for a guy like gavin who hates everybody and everything so they start doing it and he agrees to tell them where they can find the heist book And it's with this chick, Anna, who was, I guess, a part of the heist. We find out what her role is later. She's Marina's ex-girlfriend. But good play by them. They came up with that really quick just to take down his mental wards. That was didn't stand a chance. Bro, look who you're talking about, though. Hmm. Alice and Katie. Alice and Katie, bro. They're going to get it done no matter what. How how hilarious was it to hear Marina say that's deeply unethical? (laughs) (laughs) She it's was just it just makes you feel weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's unnatural. The actress was was money this episode acting it. It's a completely different character. And she was like so doe-eyed the entire thing, like didn't have a clue, like was just so so ditzy. Which will bring us to Marina, Alice, and Katie going to see this chick Anna for the heist book. And we find out that she is Marina's ex-girlfriend. So Anna is pissed that Marina had just like kept lying and lying and lying to her about everything, which obviously Marina would used to do. And Marina's trying to apologize. Alice and Katie just say, Hey, if you give us the book, like we will leave you and Marina alone completely. And Marina says, honestly, I can't lie. Like I'm going to have to be a part of this. If you guys want to succeed, like you're going to need my help. And then she goes away with Anna and Alice is just like, I'm taking off her fucking mental wards. We need the mean Marina back. And it's about time. Like, come on. (laughs) This person was useless. This blonde Marina. Blonde Marina was useless, but I will say, am I feeling a little bit of sympathy and sadness for Marina who just wants to have a penny lifestyle, you know, just be normal? I don't have any sympathy for that biatch. She's caused too many problems for them, man. You know that if the roles were reversed, she'd jump right back into taking their wards off and screwing their lives up, too. So I don't have any sympathy for Marina on that front. And also, did does she actually ever say what made her decide to go to the person to put the wards up? She mentions a list that Anna... I yeah. mean, I don't know if she gave her a physical list, but I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, in them splitting up, Anna listed out all these things that you know, our problems with Marina and Marina might've taken as like almost like a to-do list that she needed to get done in order to have a chance to get back with her. I feel like in in the Gavin scene, Katie and Alice talked about like, that's why you had these spells put up. It's because you sent these people on the suicide mission. So I think that's what they decided was the final straw, but I'm not sure. No, I think think they explicitly say, no, I think that makes sense. Cool. So anyway, Alice has the wherewithal. Our girl Alice, just smart as can be. Alice the wise gets her to sign a word as bond spell before turning her back to evil Marina, essentially just saying 
we have it in blood that you're going to help us acquire this heist book. And then once we go through with the heist, you're not going to fuck us over. So they get her to agree to the word as bond while she's good Marina. And then they take down the wards and make her bad Marina, which will take us to, I believe our final scene with these three, Alice, Katie and Marina. And it's, (laughs) this is a pretty funny scene. It's Alice and Katie watching as this new evil Marina, now the spells have been removed, is lying to Anna about not being involved with the heist. Alice is just like watching her do this just makes me feel horrible (laughs) as a human being. That's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Only because you feel bad for Anna because now she's just being drawn back into Marina's usual BS, but they're having their wrists uh, twisted on this one. So Anna grabs them the heist book and Marina is still playing the part says we have a lot of work to do on us now that I'm better and she gives this little devilish wink to Katie like yeah fuck this bitch I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna keep screwing her over I'm um, thinking I'm back <laughs> yeah uh, no there's our second John Wick reference for you Dave <laughs> <laughs> usually you gotta pay extra for another John Wick reference but two in one episode if you want to hit a, hit up our Patreon we'll have a third reference <laughs> of John Wick on that <laughs> So Alice and Katie leave, and that is the conclusion of their story, I believe. Not much to dissect there. They just kind of got the heist book, and Marina is back on the squad. I feel like it's still up to Alice and Katie to steal the seed. So I feel like next episode is probably going to be a huge episode for this trio going in and stealing the seed. And my gosh, I actually really like this squad now that it's usual Marina, Alice and Katie. Whew. Yeah, they've really been hyping up the the difficulty of what lies ahead of them, and I don't think that the magicians will disappoint in that department. And we know all heist episodes are bangers. Do we think these are the three strongest magicians right now? In the inner circle? Because, like, yeah, Dean we have Hog like, is stronger. Like, Zelda. the couple is probably stronger. Zelda is stronger. But in. You don't think like, Alice is, like, past Zelda, at least? No. Especially not now that she had her well, fingers chopped <laughs> off. Sure, Magic that's, a good point. that's such a weird point because nobody can cast at this point in time. But even if so you, all things. Being equal, I think Zelda is superior to Alice. So Zelda, mm-hmm. Dean Fogg, obviously Mayakovsky. Well, if we're gonna talk the group, I think that yeah, let's just Katie's talk probably Katie's probably the best at battle magic. Alice is probably the strongest, and we already know Marina's strong as shit. So they are probably the three strongest. I mean, Julia's not a demigod anymore, so and she's pregnant. So we yeah. got our badass bitches, baby, the Babs. I'm gonna go on the record and say Alice is a better magician than Zelda. Dude, Zelda's your girl. I think she... hmm, That's why I brought it up, because I think it's a bigger discussion. We don't have to talk about it right now, but I just think I just wanted to shed some light on that. I think it's a good conversation starter. I think Alice has the more raw potential, and I think Zelda's a master magician at this point, and it would be better at this point. Like I think Alice could become Zelda. Times a million, I would say. Like, Alice has... Okay, Okay, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I agree. Um, Zelda's also been a, around a long time. Like, yeah, she has an age, so we don't know how old she, she is. Could be, just yeah, that she had Harriet and she's only been alive, but she has an age since then. So we don't know how long she's been around. Also. Yeah. Jimmy, I think it's the title for me. Like Zelda is defined as a master magician. Mm-hmm. If Alice was that, they would 
that would be a thing. She would also be a master magician, but she's not there yet. I disagree with that completely. I don't think that just because Alice doesn't have the title master magician. I mean, Alice was a fucking Niffin forever. Like she is definitely worthy of the title master magician. I mean, do we even know what the process is of getting that title? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily, if we're saying it by title, it's just like the respect that like, by the title. I, I mean, Alice I is better. And I think <laughs> the, even when Alice is dead or like a Niffin, there are still points where they're just like, we need Alice, you know, like who else are you going to call but Alice? So yeah, well, I would call Zelda. I would call Zelda. Fuck Zelda. <laughs> you won't because she's not an MC. Me and Kyle are too. I don't know. Yeah, Alice. that's no, that's I just too- wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up. It's an, it is no shame. Listen, we should definitely have this conversation when we get this. I'm sure we'll have the seven of us on for another big pot at the end of episode. Ooh, a magician's a magician's who's the strongest bracket. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. That'd get us cool, back in our yeah. magician's feel. All right. We yeah. Gotta- so Marina, Alice, and Katie, they're going to be still in this world seed. Hopefully, next episode or the one after that, and that will bring us kind of back towards the beginning to see what Julia and Penny are up to. And the first scene that they have together is Julia is in the physical cottage. That's kind of their setting for the majority of this episode. But Julia is working on deciphering the world seed note page that Q had, and Penny kind of walks in on her in the middle of one of her psychic episodes and penny is kind of rattled by this and julia is downplaying it saying like i'm fine i'm fine but penny's clearly concerned about it so he goes to ask hyman just ask him questions about his mom and what it was like growing up with her like did she have any similar episodes like that and he was just like honestly she was pretty normal after the lobotomy she mostly Mm -hmm. just sat on the porch and sucked at bits of hay so like that was not the reassuring answer he was hoping for so like Penny just says that he needs Hyman's help with something. Is this the scene where Hyman was making that giant sandwich? Yeah. Too? yeah. Yes. It is a crime that he didn't even get to take a bite of it. Yeah. He should have. <laughs> the first thing he should have did is went to Josh and said, listen, I haven't eaten in a hundred years. Give me something phenomenal. What do you do? Go. That's Ooh. so true. Pierogi tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I do. A, a, like, why does Julia not want to accept treatment? Like, is, well, does, she she feel, does she feel rushed or something? She I, explains it later, right, Tags? I, I think it's the general theme is she she doesn't want to get put in a box. Like, she thinks that Penny is being too controlling, and I think she's just kind of doing it despite her. And there's been a general theme of her thinking that she's losing control of yeah. all of the decisions she can make and losing control of her body because of the baby. So I think she's just resisting that kind of natural feeling when she really should be taking care of herself. But, We're all in agreement. Penny's making a smart move here, wanting oh, yeah. her to go to listen. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, she's, okay, also, okay. she's also went from not pregnant to nine months pregnant in the matter, matter of like two weeks. So she's take a toll probably, on you. yeah, take a toll her mental, on you. she's not in a great mental spot right now Okay, on top of the psychic episodes she's been having. So I think she's not making the best decisions at this point in time. Okay. Yeah. And she pretty much explains it to Penny when he apologized. And then she says, no, I have to apologize at the end of the episode. So mm-hmm. yeah. So the next scene is a quick one back in the physical cottage. Penny walks in, to Julia again and he's he's holding the circumstance panel and he kind of 
he says his main purpose is to hide it from the couple, but like, he's like, and Hey, Oh my gosh, here's an idea. Like just while we're hiding it from the couple, why don't we have lips and come in and like put up your pregnancy ward so that you're safe. And this is where Julia starts to get upset and says that Penny is like trying to trap her here. And that's not what he's doing. He's just looking out for Julia. Yeah, exactly what you say, Dave. I think we're all in agreement that Penny's Penny's making the right call here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when we, so the revelation of Penny later on in the episode makes it all make sense too. It's, this was a good episode for Penny and how like the character that we don't get his backstory until the third to last episode of the series. <laughs> Cause he is so reserved and withholding. I'd be curious to know if Luke hated on Penny this episode. There's just no way. Probably did. Yes. Yeah, in some way. Yeah, I mean, oh, no, he, no, he hates 40. Yeah, he, he, hates yeah, 40. he hates 40. I was going to say, yeah, he likes 23. So, but at this scene, Hyman is eavesdropping on them as if he was an astral projection, but they just turn around and are just like, Hyman, you literally cannot do this anymore. And Julia hits him with a, yeah, you really need to learn your boundaries. So do you, Penny. And she's out. That was a great one liner. It, I was dying when Penny does his little clap back at Julia and, and Hyman's like, oh, in the background. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and I mean, like, that would definitely take hear- getting used to. Yeah, it's like we can mm-hmm. hear you, bro. <laughs> We're having a throwdown over here on the on the on the Iceland chat, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're holding two different conversations. <laughs> I asked the I asked the, the group who who's better, Alice or Zelda, and Kyle instantly answered Alice. Kathleen says Alice. Yeah, Alice, baby. Ka- Kathleen says if, if Alice wasn't ever a niffin, she would say mm. Zelda, but that's I mean, I'm fine with that answer. I mean, it's yeah. you know, they're both yeah, like yeah, yeah, I think that's a good answer. But I mean, I can't believe you didn't have Zelda's back, Kyle. I mean, she's not banging you now. It's yeah, different no than shot. me, me putting her on her back. Oh, <laughs> and me trusting her. To do huzzah! For me. Hey, let me get a huzzah, huzzah <laughs> in the chat. So okay, <laughs> bringing us back. Next thing we have is Penny walking in on Hyman, trying to put himself back into stasis. He's he's shoving himself back into the bench. And this is where we get Hyman starting to voice his complaints just generally about being alive and having to deal with a physical body. And he takes it a step further and he misses when he used to be a part of everything. And now he just feels like a minor character in his own story. Like when he was astral projecting, he was kind of the overseer of everything. Like he kind of has a point. He could just be a fly on the wall and observe everything for infinity and that was kind of his bag and he's missing it right now which if you're used to that over the course of a century he's a perv but he wasn't hurting anybody he was just a perv on the astral plane and yeah, he, he was can you imagine how boring he must or how bored he must be yeah, now that he real. just got to sit with his own thoughts poop <laughs> <laughs> all the time <laughs> that was so funny and like penny's like well that's not really my experience yeah. but I, I like though that you brought up he makes some good points b times like you said i mean on paper, you think, okay, would you rather be an actual person or be able to watch everything for infinity the rest of your life without inter- interacting with anyone? You'd obviously take being... Well, for me, it's I feel like I'd rather obviously live a life than just watch other people live lives. But Hyman makes a great point for wanting to just be the overseer of everything, like you said. So, Full disclosure, I totally thought you were going to say you'd rather be on the astral plane <laughs> no, than no, infinity. Fuck, no, fuck that. I mean, it would be great for a little bit, but all of eternity no way all eternity no way but yeah we also get the background that you know nobody wanted to talk to hyman when he was alive so he was a loner and that's what 
you know, led him to be a perv in the first place and have people hide his body. So we're just peeling back the layers to, to our boy Hyman now that he's alive and in an actual body. And Penny gives him the advice just to put himself out there and be honest with people. And it may take a minute, but you'll find someone that can stand you. And Hyman's like, hey, man, that's is this the part where you tell me advice that's really applicable to yourself? And he's like, ah, shit, I got to go find Julia. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Because at first I was like, I guess you're really not supposed to know in the moment, but I was like, what is he even talking about here? And then the payoff for it is beautiful, which we'll get to. But before we get there, I just want to give a shout out to the line where Hyman says to Penny, I shipped you before you shipped yourselves. Yeah. That's just, I mean, that's just so funny. (laughs) Yeah. That's just so, like, I just am thinking of my immediate thought goes to the hundred fandom because of, you know, how often you see people shipping in that fandom but just how good it would feel to be like a viewer of a show yep. and then be the person that gets two people that you want together together and then get to say to them, like i fucking shipped you guys before you shipped yourselves like i'm a day <laughs> one og how dare you speak back to me and that brings us to our next scene is just going to be julia walking through the break bills halls and as she's passing the lab she hears something and she walks in to find our friend sir effingham rifling through a trash can and he has been looking for julia because it turns out that todd may not have been the intrepid hero he once thought him to be so he is once again asking julia for help kyle what are your thoughts man todd got shut down listen you can only juggle so (laughs) many balls in your life you know todd is handsome he's charismatic he's got good jokes he's reliable you you can't you can't be everything so he's not a hero that's okay Yeah. Now, let me ask you guys, are <laughs> we like, going, yeah, Kyle's like, shit, are we going to see Todd at all for the rest of the series? Yeah, that's a great question. I Is mean, if purpose? we don't see him, that's basically them just ripping out my heart and stomping on it. What was the last, when did we see him last? Was literally him telling, wasn't him telling Julia about Sir Effingham? Like yeah. that was literally the last time. Back, yeah. yeah. No, we mm-hmm. see him, um, he basically tells them about uh, Fog 17. Oh, right, right, right. When he's like, that's evil Fog or whatever. Yeah, like, and then he yeah. doesn't follow them to the greenhouse to see out the plan. He's but just not there. I hate he's, to say it, Kyle. He's busy doing Dark King things. I hate to say it. <laughs> but Todd doesn't really have a purpose going forward in my... At this point in time, I just don't see it. Like, what's he needed for? Do you hate laughing? <laughs> we already have so much comedic, comedic relief with, like, Ben and... um josh like do we need another one damn you hate Dave. laughing no I'm you just, are I'm the just... president of the todd hate club no i don't want to oh my god uh, fuck i don't want to say like an innocent my arch question. nemesis has revealed yeah. himself finally <laughs> after <laughs> 24 years i have dave, finally met you dave will be the first victim of the Binstown tv guillotine yes mm-hmm. huzzah <laughs> to that huzzah <laughs> to the chat. it was just a neutral question i don't know you put yeah. a little bias into that bro yeah yeah Todd I'm sorry. I would apologize to Todd. I'm sorry, Todd. <laughs> so Sir Effingham continues to tell Julia that his prophecy has become clearer and that he now sees that the bringers of Fillory's demise have been there many times before and they enter through a tree and they plan to thieve away every soul in the land before destroying the planet outright. And if you're following along at home, this is this is sounding a whole lot like our hero's plan. And Julia 
Julia smart. She's like, how exactly do they blow up the planet? And he says, they will turn back the clock on Fillory, resulting in ruin. And I like that she asked that because I don't think they had figured out how they were going to physically blow up the planet of Fillory. Mm-hmm. So she just got the answer there. Love that. And then Julia asks whether the people will succeed or not, stealing the Fillorians and bringing them to a new world. And this is where Sir F catches her because he made no mention of any new world. So... Our heroes are the people that are prophesized to bring Fillory's apocalypse. I was just going to say, technically, it's not them, really. Like, it's all the takers and everything. They're just, they just have to push it a little further. They just have to take care of everyone. <laughs> but it sounds like they are the demise that the pig man has yeah, been yeah. prophesizing specifically. Yeah. No, it was a great moment to rewatch, of course. Just getting that realization is like, okay, like, you are the ones that are forsaken to do this, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we've already talked about this enough. I'm not crazy about the plan. I hope they find another way to do it. <sighs> I don't know, know though. though. <laughs> they yeah. always come up with some whack-ass shit, but this time, I guess, there is no door B. There's always a door B in The Magicians. This time, it seems like door A is blow up Fillory, and that's the only door they have. So Because they don't know anyone. They don't have anyone. <laughs> yeah, top but- of my head, like... I don't know what like the capabilities of the world seed are, but the only other alternative would be like them making a world for Roop where him and Lance could live together. Because mm. if the Dark King leaves, then Fillory's chilling. Hmm. But honestly, I like that just seems almost more far fetched than them blowing up Fillory. Guillotine sounding pretty good right about now. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> man. Dig a really, really deep hole and throw him in the hole and then bury him. Yeah, I mean, how would that not work? How does he get out? He could have some Uma Thurman, yeah. the bride type shit, kill Bill, punch his way through, but not pour concrete on it. Probably. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, is. bro. I, you don't want to be on Jimmy's bad side, bro. He's going to bury you in a deep hole and pour concrete in it. <laughs> That's the double tap. That's the burying someone alive version of a double tap. You bury them, then put some in. Guillotine, bury them, <laughs> concrete, we're good. Oh my god. <laughs> separate holes, too. Separate yeah. holes. Body in one hole, head in another. Oh, hole. exactly. We're done. We don't have to blow a fillery. They're thinking way too hard about this. <laughs> Guillotine, bury them in separate graves, cement on top, boom. Come on. Yep, that's it. I just want to shout out the goat, Sir Effingham the third. Obviously, a member of Team Kyle has been since the beginning. Just absolutely killing it this scene. Just you know, the whole misogyny aspect is just hilarious to me because I'm a man, not because I'm a misogynist. And <laughs> when he's like, notices that she's pregnant and it's like, oh, like you misplaced your wedding band. Oh, you're widowed. She's like, no, he goes, oh, so it's a bastard. <laughs> this is like so fucking funny to me. But also he, he switches the script a little bit at the end when he gets more serious. And he says, the death of Fillory cannot come without a cost. Those that would destroy her will lose the ones they love. It's like, damn. Yeah. Dig a hole. Yeah, put him in the fucking hole, too. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's my boy. Fucking... I was literally just going to say, that's your boy. You're about to... Yeah, willpower alum. So Penny finds Julia in the Break Bill's <laughs> lab, and Julia tells him that she saw the pig man again, Sir F, and she's just like, hey, we are the ones. Turns out we are the ones that are causing this, this apocalypse. He's just bringing Penny up to speed. And then Julia starts to continue to vent about just having lost control of her life due to the pregnancy. She feels like she's just a walking incubator. And this is where Penny opens up and we get the Penny backstory. And I'm going to 
go down the rabbit hole. Uh, his mom started having episodes and hearing stuff that wasn't there when he was really young. The doctor said it was just stress from their father walking out on them, but Penny believes that it was because of, you know, him, uh, his human mother being pregnant with a hybrid traveler baby. Uh, and he says that what's happening to Julia looks exactly like what happened to his mother. He got thrown from foster care after his mom burned down their apartment. He was more scared of his mom though than foster care. So this is the Penny backstory. Honestly, I've been I've been interested because we know everybody's magic comes from pain. It is known. We we did not know what Penny's pain was that gave him magic. Now we know. And that just emphasizes more on the beast control on him just Basically saying what I'm trying to say is that he had that friend. He had that one voice in his head that was always listening to him. He obviously, his mom wasn't able to hear him out. His father was non-existent. So that's why he was able to put so much trust into this voice in his head. So it's kind of cool seeing that full circle from season one come into now on the loneliness of Penny, I guess. Yeah. So the conclusion of this scene is Julia. They're both teary eyed. Julia agrees like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I don't want this to happen to me. Like we have magic now. We can prevent this. She agrees to do lips and scans or whatever. And Penny agrees not to put her in a cage and let her have control of her life. This is kind of the first time for me personally that I'm really vibing with the whole Jenny 23. I mean, it seems like a relationship they kind of just threw at us in what is it? Season three or four. Mm. We've kind of all shared the opinion that it's feels like kind of random. And we talked about it. I mean, I brought this point up. We found out that Julie was pregnant. It's just crazy that the relationship that we almost care the least about now has suddenly become the most serious. Mm-hmm. But I did actually like really, really, really <laughs> like this scene. Not even, you know, separate from the whole Penny backstory, just the connection between the two of them in general and them kind of, you know, that vulnerability and the honesty they both show each other. This really started to feel like they you know, are a couple, like a serious couple. Penny's good at reeling her back in, you know, they're a good yin and yang to each other. They co- they complement each other's personalities. Uh, and yeah, I agree. Honestly, it's, they're in a good spot right now. So I'm, I'm kind of rooting for them and it's, it's going to be best for their baby. And the baby seems like he's going to be cool as shit with all <laughs> his powers. So yeah, I'm rooting for him. I did ask a few episodes ago when they broke up to the Brooks, Kyle and uh, Brian, if they thought that Jenny 23 was going to continue to be a thing, even after this breakup. And I think you both, both of you guys said, I can see it happening. You know, like, I don't think you didn't discontinue it right at that moment, but I think the baby was obviously the huge part in this whole thing of keeping their relationship together. It also just cracked me up that we weren't thinking about the fact that Stella, Julia's actress got pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, during the film, none of us did. The whole concept of a baby didn't even cross either of our minds. Like I had no idea this is how they were going to kind of bring them back together. It's a cool way to add in a real world tie into a TV show. You know, I I like that a lot. I think it's one of the, this might be one of the first times I've ever actually heard of something like this on a TV show for me personally. Where they like made the character pregnant because yeah. the actress was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Usually they're just trying to hide it. Hide a it, la exactly. how I met your mother until they finally just had to take a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did it well. It it felt organic, maybe a little bit mm. sped up, but it did feel, wow, Kyle. Is this organic? Rick and Morty number two. Mm, this mm. organic? <laughs> this was organic for sure. So to finish off this episode, though, we are at the final scene, and it is Penny walking in on Hyman, who was holding a bloody nose in the physical cottage. She's just sitting on the steps. And Hyman says immediately, like, oh, I tried to talk to him, have a conversation with him, and he just punched me. And Hyman just dips. (laughs) He walks right out the front door. 
entered Fog 17 holding the uh, circumstance panel. Hyman really fucked off. I'm actually pretty pissed at him. That's the guy (laughs) he tries to strike up a conversation with. But Fog tells him, he says, let this be my last lesson to you as Dean. Don't make too many enemies because they might find each other. And Penny surmises that he's talking about the couple I really liked this out of Penny. He was just like, whoa, I cannot let you leave here with that panel. This is some fate of the world shit right here. And then, of course, Julia walks in and Dean Fogg's like, are you stupid enough to try and stop me? This Dean Fogg is a fucking action hero, man. He is right with the one-liners. I mean, not a hero. He's a villain, honestly. But, like, he is killing it, this Dean Fogg. So self-assured. But, yeah. He's not stupid enough to intervene, and he lets Dean Fogg pass with the circumstance panel, and Penny's just like, they gotta steal this world seed now. We, we're running out of time. The couple has everything. We only have two episodes left. We need to hurry the fuck up. Yeah, for real. There's just They're just adding these cliffhangers as we have two episodes. I guess we don't, we're not supposed to know that there's two episodes left or whatever. Who knows? Well, but, the season, you can know I, that, yeah, but not I, the series. But it's just like, we're getting thrown these cliffhangers when there's two episodes left. Like what's going on. I will say that this is one of the worst lines of the season. When fog says, not my world, not my problem. And Penny just says, then I guess I'm your problem. <laughs> I was just like, bro, come on. You're better than that. Penny yeah. definitely has had some better comebacks than that. <laughs> yeah. That was just complete cornball. I was like, nah, we're better than this magicians. I do want to. <laughs> I'm going to pull a poll here and just jump us back a little bit to Hyman getting punched in the face. I just feel bad for Hyman. Like he just got this pep talk to you know become a person and just be <laughs> in this body. And he's like, I tried to spark spark a conversation with this guy, and he just punched me in the face. I want to go back to stasis now. You know, that's how how he's probably thinking. <laughs> if he's been following everything, he would know who D uh, Fog Seventeen is and know that he's a dick. So no, that's on Hyman that's for true. inviting okay. a conversation with. Him. I was going to say the same. Going into a cell, yeah. Okay, he maybe was asking it, for it. then it's just Hyman's stupidity. Maybe I shouldn't feel bad for him. <laughs> I need Hank Fogg to come back from the etheric realm and hit Fogg 17 with a nice right cross. No magic. Just knock him out cold. We need the, the historic comeback, or not historic, heroic comeback with a nice fucking soundtrack behind it. Yeah, I would love that. Fogg 40 verse 17. The forces of good versus evil. Every villain is lemons. Are you kidding me, bro? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, is definitely a lemon. And then all of a sudden, cocaine fog shows up. Ooh. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Hell yeah! Then we get a civil rights hero, nineteen ninety fog comes. <laughs> all right, we have a yeah. lot. We have a lot to cover in these next two episodes. Like there is just so much. Julia's pregnancy. We have evil fog. We have the couple, the seed, Fillory, like all that in two episodes. What are you guys thinking coming up? I mean, also we have to somehow figure out how Hyman and Fenn are going to get together. Yeah. We got to figure out how Todd comes back too. true. There's a lot of loose threads here. And you guys are mentioning a comeback from Dean Fogg from the ethereal realm, like so much shit to cover in two hours of episodes. I mean, I'm going to be disappointed if we don't get Fogg 40 or Todd Hmm. or Todd. I'm, I'm going to be sad. Now that you're saying them together, those names, it's like they have to, right? You know, like it's, Bro, it's Fog and Todd. Fog and Todd. I'm Dude, they should sure. have a spinoff. Yeah, Fog and Todd. I was going to say, I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's a fan fiction with Fog and Todd and the Ethereal Realm together. Is it? Is it <laughs> Are you uh, fucking yanking my chain? I'm just kidding. Or I just okay. made that up. <laughs> <You> motherfucker. <laughs> it's a little hot and spicy. I think we just made another Binge Town exclusive here. <laughs> God damn, that would be awesome. 
I don't know. I I think next episode has a lot of potential because I think they're going to have to confront the couple head on and steal this world seed. So I could see episode 12 being that whole thing and probably Alice and Katie get their revenge on the couple. And that leaves us episode 13 for dealing with uh, Roop in Fillory and seeing Q one last time. Hopefully. Oh, maybe. Yes. Come on, in the last episode of the series? Although I don't think I don't think we will get it because they didn't know it was the last episode of the series, but maybe we get it. I hope we get it. What I'm picturing is Alice in a magical battle with the couple, and then Q kind of not like manifest, not at the right word, but like when Teen Gohan takes down Cell at mm-hmm. the end of the Cell games and Goku's like kind of there behind him. Like Father with the Kamehameha. Kamehameha. Yeah, yeah, bro. If yeah. Q gets in there too and helps her, that'll be crazy. Yeah. And Jimmy, shout out to you for saying Kamehameha because not many people know that's the actual name of it. It's not Kamehameha. It's Kamehameha. Oh, yeah. Shout out yeah. to Jimmy Town TV, baby. Woo! Also, if shout- not, I'll write that fan fiction. Also, <laughs> shout out Jason Diaz for his... Uh, he had that one Instagram post of him, his old eight-year-old drawings of like yeah. Dragon Ball GT looked fucking sweet. I'm impressed. Those were good drawings for an eight-year-old. I don't know if you guys saw that on his Instagram. I did. I did. Yeah. It was cool. I used to do the same thing. Drawing DBZ characters was the go-to. Hell yeah. Definitely think of Kyle too. But I, I just <laughs> think of all those anime drawings in the room. We're getting sidetracked as always. Kyle, you have something to say. Yeah, the last comment I'll make on the episode, this is actually funny that this will be the second The 100 reference, but I just couldn't stop smiling when they're going to look for the Ark in Vancouver. And that just the whole time I was just thinking about the 100. Yeah. We also cover the hundred for all our listeners. All right, guys. So let's finish this episode strong. Kathleen's not here to give us the bang, kill, marry. So let's do our best. We'll think of something good here. Um, let's do Martin Chatwin, the beast, George from the couple, and Everett, the boring-ass librarian who wanted to become a god. What do you do? Go. Bang, kill, marry. Yeah, so these are these are our big bads, I guess is kind of the genre of them. And I can start us off. That pause says otherwise. I, I'm gonna kill George from the couple. Cutting off Alice's fingers is worse than cutting off Penny's hands. Yeah. Penny Forty deserved it. And that's unforgivable. <laughs> unforgivable. Cutting off <laughs> Alice's fingers. Come on. Those are her phalanges. She needs them. She's the Hermione Granger of this world, like. He's going to get us just desserts, but I got a bad vibe from George, so I'm going to kill him. I'm going to bang Everett because he is the odd man out, and I, you know, he's better than George, but, like, I don't want to marry him as much as Martin. And Martin is just charismatic. If he wasn't evil and the beast, he would be a good guy to be around. He's, you know, an adventurer, like I said, charismatic, and those pipes. My God, that man knew how to sing. Plus, he's Tom's likes old man penis. Damn. (laughs) Nah, I just like That's sucking heads, heard. man. I just like sucking heads. <laughs> That's me. Like... You know me. You know my kink, man. I like right, sucking right. heads. It's that bald Everett head that's got him going. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, B times. Run us through again. You're mar- or you're killing marrying George. marrying Martin, aka the Beast, banging Everett, killing George. All right, I'll jump in here. I'm gonna actually go opposite. I'm marrying George, okay? Because he's so strong. And respected, he can protect <laughs> me. Okay, I can just live with him forever and just be feel protected. I want to interject. I would say the beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 
nice. Beast toe to toe with George from the couple. That's a fight I want to be a part I'm of. I'm going to interject so, your interjection and just say we definitely need to do a who's strongest character bracket with yeah. like George and all that. That'd be fun. All right, go ahead. I, I agree that Martin could protect me, but, but maybe I'll get to, to marry the couple too, like George and, <laughs> and whoever a, the other person is that we it's don't It's a package know deal. Package deal. I'm going to bang Martin Chadwin. I'm going to steal a little Kyle action here and say the pillow talk will probably be phenomenal. You know, he gives me some backstory knowledge of fillery, little spell knowledge, teach me some new magic. And then I'm I'm killing Everett because he's boring. You know, I just think he's boring. I don't need him. I want to tell. I want. I want to no, switch. No, take, no, okay. No, fine, no, fine. Take no take facts. It no is all facts. Yeah, I, I want to see if one of you two make the point that made me want to change something. Oh, I don't know if I'll make your specific point, but I'm going to, like you said, Mary Martin, because that that charisma he brings, that singing, that upbeat vibe, besides all the killing and all that shit. Fuck that. Plus but. the accent. You got to love the accent. Love the accent. So don't gonna... worry about the killing part, Dave, because they're all killers. That is also <laughs> very true. I'm going to marry Martin Chatwin. I'm going to kill Everett because, like Jimmy said, boring. That dude was fucking stiff as a board. Fuck that guy. Hated his not, character. And not in a good way, stiff as a board. And uh, George knows his ways around <laughs> some knots. If you didn't, if you couldn't tell with uh, Alice and Katie. So if that's your kink, which you could All be, right, Dave. Me, you know, I can get into that. So <laughs> let yeah, him know, so, Dave. Let tie him know. me up, George. Tie me up. <laughs> <laughs> There's the next sound bite for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I will play us out. I'm going to copy Dave. So I'm going to kill Everett because he has zero redeeming qualities. Yep. Um, I'm going to bang George. I'm going to take Jimmy's reasoning a little bit. And if there's a decent chance I can get a threesome out of it, then why not? <laughs> you know, that sounds good to me. And I'm going to marry Martin Chatwin because like you guys said, whatever, charismatic, the pipes. And also I'm more than willing to make the heel turn to be evil. And I feel like you'd have the most <laughs> fun being evil with him. That's you know, so in true, Fillory, dude. like just cavorting around doing shit in Fillory. And also, he can teach me that little two step he does in the yeah. first episode when he comes into the lab. Dude, me and him, me and Martin Chatwin, hands behind our backs, just two stepping around <laughs> Fillory, killing people, bro. That two sounds step. like something. I'm oh, you kill me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so neither of you two did make the point that made me want to change ba- to bang George, kill Everett for the sole reason of Everett is directly culpable for the death of a Mr. Quentin Coldwater. So fuck yeah. him, fuck his entire family. We'd right, never we'll, be able to get I him. I want to kill him. Yeah, but true. you know what? You know what? BKMs are sacred. They are holy. Yeah. Once it is set on the mic, there are no take backsies. It is written. Yeah, so B Toms will bang him and then he'll be the test dummy for the first ever Bingetown guillotine. I was just yeah, gonna yeah. say that too. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. And we can give him a Bingetown wig, too, with his bald head, man. Yeah, that will suck on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, keep an eye out for our continued coverage of The Magicians. We're going to be covering each episode of Season 5 week by week. We're getting towards the end. Two more left, 12 and 13. We are shaping up for a great finish, so keep listening. As always, if you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BingetownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thanks for listening.
Huzzah! Huzzah! No, huzzah. Yeah. I know, I was going to huzzah, but I thought I hit my huzzah quota for the episode. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.